Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week, I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello, and welcome to episode 40 of season two of the Toward Light podcast. This week, I want to talk about this idea of universality, about commonality, about seeing the connections between all conditioned phenomenon. This is pointed to so much in the teachings. It's not necessarily termed this way, or it's not overtly a teaching or a lesson, but it is underlying so many of the teachings. So for example, the three marks of existence are for all conditioned phenomenon, there is anicca, impermanence, dukkha, difficulty, and anatta, or not-self. So for everything that exists, this is a commonality. This is universal. Things are impermanent. There can be difficulty. And there is no fixed self or being. Like take a frog, for example, right? That starts as a egg and then becomes a tadpole and then becomes a frog and then dies. So we see the impermanence of these changing stages. We see the anatta that it's not one fixed thing. And we can imagine that there's some difficulty or discomfort as it transitions and lives its life right? So we can see, okay, I have a connection with this being because I also experience impermanence and difficulty and I am not one fixed thing. The teachings on mindfulness, the four foundations of mindfulness also point to universality because as we get to know the body, Vedana, the mind, and the Dhammas, we get to see that these things are happening internally, but also externally. So remember, I've talked about this before, the refrain in the Satipatthana Sutta urges us which all, with all of these foundations of mindfulness to look both internally and externally, or internally and externally together. So we see our experience of taking a breath internally, but also we can hear our dog also taking a breath. We're experiencing it externally. We're seeing that the experience we're having is happening to others as well. The Four Noble Truths point to universality because they are talking about the difficulty that we all share, the tendency to cling and crave, and the possibility for freedom. That again, it's universal. The Buddha never said that some people can experience this and some people can't. The Buddha gave these teachings to all. He said, this is accessible to all. We all experience suffering. We all cling. We all have the capacity to be free. We can all walk this noble eightfold path to freedom. So there's a universality and we can see 
Sometimes we can see someone who's really suffering, maybe doesn't know they're suffering. And we can reflect on a time when we've experienced that as well, when we've really been stuck in our suffering or craving. Or we could see someone who's free in ways that we aren't. Say, oh, I could get there too. The Four Noble Truths point to this commonality between all humans. The four Brahma-viharas, metta, kindness, karuna, compassion, mudita, appreciative joy, and dupaka, equanimity, remind us that all beings wish to be well, happy, and peaceful. We can see the commonality of our hearts. For an example, if we're practicing compassion meditation, we call on our own experience to bring compassion to ourselves, and then we can bring that outward to others. We can see others suffering, and we can offer them compassion too, because we can see that just like us, they don't want to be suffering. They don't want to be struggling. They want to be safe. They want to be well. And so we see the commonality between us. And the quality of equanimity, which is talked about in several different lists, takes a wide lens, a wide view of things. Upaka can be translated as looking out over. So when we broaden our view, we see the commonalities. We see the threads between all beings. We see that we need to drink water. We see the plant growing because it's gotten water. We see the animal drinking the water. We see that we are similar. We see the threads between us that connect us. We're able to see the eight worldly winds. We're able to see that we all experience pleasure and pain, gain and loss, fame and ill repute, praise and blame. I was thinking about this a lot when I was on retreat because Unbeknownst to me, I rented an Airbnb that overlooked a schoolyard. And so I was seeing middle schoolers every day, seeing and hearing middle schoolers every day. I went to middle school in the United States, and I'm looking over this middle school in Mexico and seeing the universality of the experience of being 12 years old and the things that you're learning and the interactions between students and the interactions between students and teachers, really seeing the commonalities of that and just being reminded of like, oh yeah, that was me once. Sometimes in situations I can get frustrated with the teenagers who live on my street and then I can remember what I was like at that age. That allows me to have some compassion. So so, so much of this universality or this commonality is, is offering grace to the different phases of life, to the different ways that people have experienced life, to the different causes and conditions that have brought people to different moments. I gave a list of a whole bunch of lists. So let me just talk about a few of these qualities in a little bit more detail. So how does mindfulness help us understand this concept of universality? Nikki Giovanni, the poet and writer, says, if you don't understand yourself, you don't know anybody else. So a big part of mindfulness practice is getting to know ourselves, getting to know our tendencies, getting to know our bodies, getting to know our minds, getting to know how we relate to experience. 
And the more that we see that, the more we understand that, the more we can do that with others. Now, sometimes what happens is that when we get to know our experience really well, we do see the differences between us and somebody else. But rather than using that to separate us, we can use that as an avenue for curiosity and investigation. We can use that as an avenue for empathy and understanding. So for example, I am white. In the United States and in many other countries, that allows me a lot of privilege. So when I see somebody of color, because I know that I am white, because I know that this is something, this is an area of privilege for me, I can meet them with more compassion or interest or care because I understand that they are not having the same experience that I am. So part of seeing universality is seeing that we all are unique, that universally we all have our own experiences. And so there are commonalities and there are differences and we are all experiencing that flow. So we don't want to ignore differences. We don't want to say, well, we're just all being, so it's all fine. We don't want to do that. We de- that's spiritual bypassing. But we do want to see that we all, all beings are experiencing pleasure and pain, gain and loss, fame and ill repute, praise and blame. So we can understand that this person in front of us might be having a different lived experience and we can still feel connected to them. Anatta, this idea of no fixed self, this is another way that we can see universality because we can see how we're all changing all the time. Russell Rizik wrote this book, Breaking Down is Waking Up, which is a really interesting book about psychology and spiritual awakening. I'm going to read a couple quotes from that book. He uses the word ego, which I don't normally use. I normally use the word self or identity, but same, same. You'll get get the gist. So this is what he says. In seeing the world through our egos, we see a world of separates. The only perception we understand is one in which everything is separated out from everything else. And then later on, he says, you realize that this idea of I was just a peephole through which you viewed the world. And now, through the process of self-awareness, you have become aware of what is around it and indeed aware of the peephole itself, the ego. So the more we get to know ourselves through mindfulness, the more we see that we're ever changing, the more that we see that all beings are ever changing that we can't fix people in one category or another. We can't fix ourselves in one category or another. I am aging second by second, millisecond by millisecond. I am different. Things are changing all the time. And the more that I see that in myself, it breaks down this idea of self or ego or identity. And it allows me to be more fluid and more flexible which again allows me more capacity to connect with others, to see our commonalities, to see our universality. 
in terms of the Brahma Viharas, metta, kindness, karuna, compassion, mudita, appreciative joy, anupaka, equanimity, this is about training our hearts. And the first three train our hearts in different directions, you know, toward kindness, or if we're experiencing some pain, then towards compassion, or if we're happy for someone, appreciative joy. And then equanimity is this balancing factor that allows us to not get lost in pity or in rescuing or in in exuberance. It balances, it helps us to know that everybody has their own karma. Everyone has their own experience. Everyone is going to be affected by cause and effect. None of us are exempt from that, and we can still care. So it gets our heart engaged with the broadness of experience in the light. It gets our heart connected to this broad web that we live in. And so as we're watching maybe the news or seeing all these horrible different atrocities that are happening all around the globe, we can notice the natural movement of our heart, the natural care for these people. When we see a picture of someone who is fleeing with their baby from a country, we can, we can see that we too would be doing the same thing, that we too would want to protect our family. We can feel the universality, but rather than get lost in despair, the equanimity helps us to stay grounded and rooted and see what we can do, what we can naturally and authentically do to meet the pain or the difficulty that we're seeing. From his book, My Grandmother's Hands, Resma Menachem says a couple things that I want to share. He says, for a sane culture to take hold and prosper, there needs to be more than just an emphasis on the individual and individual achievement. There also needs to be an equal emphasis on cooperation and on the collective good. And then he goes on to say, you are helping to build something bigger than yourself. This needs to be reflected in what you do and how you treat and respond to other people. We're part of this big world. We can see this big universe that we're a part of. And, and so when we are leading with our heart, when we're cultivating the Brahma Viharas, when we're allowing ourselves to feel all the ebbs and flows, all the ups and downs that happen in a world, in a life, in a day, in a moment, we can then respond from a place of wisdom. The kindness in our heart leads to wisdom. The wisdom that we cultivate in our mindfulness practice leads us to open our hearts. So it's a cycle. It keeps rejuvenating itself. When our heart is cultivated to Resma's phrase, the collective good, when our heart is oriented toward that, we're not seeing separateness. We're not making divisions. We're seeing our sameness. We're seeing our universality. We're seeing the connections. And so notice 
when do you make yourself separate? When do you judge others or put yourself above or below people or physically distance yourself? And when do you see the truth that we're all the same, that we're all connected? May all beings be at ease. Thank you for listening. Please check out any links in the show notes. You can find me on my website, towardlight.net, or on Instagram at towardlight108.